I know the sea is deep and the shoreline keens and punches. Above me, cops troll for clues. They find matchbooks at the cliff edge, beat up converse jilted in the heather. Give them what they need, keep what you know. I know your height, your street, my fingers shake. You hated sports and liars and not being high. Limbs loud like mixtapes, we grabbed fistfuls of skin at recess. Rolled your cigarettes, wore your jeans slung low for late night dares. Your eyes on me when you said yes to the roiling kick and the depths of rooftop jumps. Landing hard on concrete, wishing it were beach soft. Gulls nudge and shriek as they wheel out the gurney, your feet twisted under polythene. The papers said we climbed too far, that accidents happen. But I was up there with you, like before. I know you removed your shoes, that your blonde hair flew like a slap. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Poetry to Your Ears. Um, today with with uh, Rebecca Faulkner. Hello. Hi there, Lulu and Tom. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for for being on the show. I'm going to read your your bio on your uh, upcoming book, Permit Me to Write My Own Ending, published by Write Bloody UK. Rebecca Faulkner is a London-born poet based in Brooklyn, New York. She's the 2022 winner of Sand Hills Literary Magazine's National Poetry Contest and the 2021 Prometheus and Bound Poetry Competition. Her work has been anthologized in the Best New British and Irish Poets 2019 to 2021 and published in journals in the UK and USA. Rebecca was a 2021 Poetry Fellow at the Southeastern Foundation for the Arts. She holds a BA in English Literature and Theatre Studies from the University of Leeds and a PhD from the University of London. She is currently at work on her second collection, Exploring Female Identity and Artistic Endeavour. That's quite an impressive bio, huh? <laughs> so, Thank you. Yeah, it's funny to hear it read back. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, now you got like a lot of uh, poetry publications in a couple of years, and now this is your mm. your debut collection. Um, can you like tell us what prompted you to publish all these? poetry all of a sudden you know yeah it does seem like all of a sudden doesn't it <laughs> i know it's yeah. It, well the yeah in the in the acknowledgements it says it's been you uh you've been really building this collection over a, a long time really it's been a long time coming this collection yeah it definitely has permit me to write my own ending i say at the end of the book is a lifetime's labor so it's been mm. it's been gestating for a long time i um it really took a pandemic i think for me to to share to share my poetry so um I've been writing for a really long time uh, but sort of just for myself and unsure about whether I should share it and uh, it's actually yeah three years ago isn't it it's amazing the start of the pandemic so during the first lockdown here in Brooklyn New York I was furloughed from my my day job um and stuck with my family in a small apartment you know feeling frightened like all of us and unsure of what was happening and in New, in New York or in, in New York yeah no I've lived ah. in Brooklyn in New York for um for almost half my life now mm. I came I came here a long time ago um and I've got two teenage daughters we live in New York uh so yeah the beginning of the lockdown I I really lent into my poetry and began to I sort of took a leap off a cliff and and not only began to share some of it on Instagram and then had a really amazing response um but I also started to take more writing workshops which were available you know via Zoom uh once we were a few months into the pandemic and and then had an amazing response from from other poets who were saying oh you really you really need to share this this is really great um and it gave me a lot of confidence and uh, and the sort of the, the the rest continued from there, and I began to submit to literary journals in the UK and the US, and 
and yes. I just couldn't believe the response just began to publish a lot and and that was incredible for me um and then so I yeah I had a residency in 2021 at the Salton Stall Foundation in upstate New York and that was really pivotal um I met a lot of other artists and writers who said you've got a book this is you've got so much poetry just let's work on and work on a book and I worked with an editor and and worked really really hard and so kind of the book just all yeah definitely spilled to out. me that's the thing that really stuck out to me is uh like how mature your poetry is when you started writing three years ago and mm. how much uh how like involved you are already like in in all of the different poetry scenes like you had the residency and everything and the structure of your book I just feel like everything is still out and when I was reading it you know um, there were some things I didn't like quite understand the intent and I was so glad to have access to the author to like ask the questions (laughs) (laughs) good I well hopefully I can shed some light on yeah. my intention yeah but, i mean but, i mean in a positive way you know because it's yeah, it's like it's yeah. got so much depth um that it, it brings some images it brings some colors to me and i just want to know more about what uh you know the specific intentions behind like the structure yes. for example um so yeah so like what i noticed for example is you you start chronologically your story so from a child to a teenager and then um to like a mother so that's in new york so the start is in london and then it's in new york and then suddenly it shifts to the past and so that's something that you explained that it's to you to show historical trauma and the way it affects us um Mm -hmm. you know stories of the past affect us and then is it that stories in London and Germany that kind of collide together or is there a a path that you follow in that? Yeah I felt really um, determined with the chronology of the poems for it to not be linear and to not excuse me to not end with uh, the speaker as an adult now. Uh, I think that you know the way that memory works and certainly the way I write is that even if I'm focused on writing poems about adolescence in London, that, uh, you know, memories and um, memories from my family creep in. That's one of the reasons I wanted to include uh, a lot of Blitz and Second World War poetry, just in terms of family memory and historical trauma. But but also that, um, you know, I, I end the book by returning to some childhood memories and returning to poems about childhood. Mm. And I think that's really important. That's how we experience our own memories and um, our own subconscious. And so, the, yeah, it was very intentional, the nonlinear, um, the nonlinear aspect of, of the collection. Yeah. And um, so you're kind of turning the, the, the you know, the story of um maybe your grandparents doing the blitz and do you have relatives in in germany as well i spent a lot of time in germany myself um as a teenager so there's poems in there that are about that experience we have a lot of friends and family uh who are in berlin still and my um my father grew up in london during the blitz and so the combination of those things and he was a history teacher uh so it all looms very large for me just in terms of um the war and uh the impact of the war and it was crucial for me that it was a central component of the book yeah yeah Yeah, your incredible poem alexanderplatz that um you you won an award for this or yes that was the Yes, that was the Prometheus Unbound mm. award from 2021, which it won the grand prize for that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and that's fantastic. Really, it, it's, you know, it's like it just evokes so many images. That's about the experience of what, Kristallnacht? Yes. It's um, And maybe your modern kind of ex- uh, recollections related to that as well. Yes, there's a lot. There's certainly a lot going on in the poem yeah. Alexander Platz. Uh, the experience of um, youth and finding oneself in East Berlin at a very specific time. I was there um, 
as you know just after the wall came down and i had very formative experience uh in berlin but also just aware that, that it's a city of ghosts and the building mm. that i lived in when i was there was still riddled with bullet holes from kristallnacht um yeah. so it felt very real and very alive to me and some of the people that i met and the experiences i had um it just collapsed time i'm really interested in the way that memory can collapse time yeah so how much would you say history is a part of your poetry in general oh a huge part yeah very much so i feel that you know place place and history so the importance of london the importance of berlin um and then i'm slightly more vague about the place the u the u.s place placeless placedness uh you know i I write about um the usa in slightly more broad way Mm. but for sure london and and the place and history very important to me as a writer yeah yeah and, ha- and if i if i could just jump in there Lou, um and you have a poem about brighton beach but i'm assuming it's the new york brighton beach yes it's the uh, new york yeah. brighton <laughs> beach i didn't yes. know there was yes. a beach I think, I think eloise has all these questions about england <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah no it's 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 confusing i know brighton beach is uh i think in some ways it's probably subconsciously why i chose it too it, you know brighton beach is at coney island at the end of the f train line which is my mm. subway line um, so yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, I was wondering what F was. Yeah, yeah. To me, that, that Brighton Beach, I really, I really love that poem. It just shows, um, you know, the 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 collapsing of time, as you say, because in the poem, so you're giving birth, and you're remembering a, a night out with a friend, yeah. and it's all in the memories, and, and it, it comes all together, and. Uh, if I understand you, your friend died. Did she? Yes, the speaker's in the in the poem. The speaker's friend dies at the end, and and the speaker is very close to this young woman who um, shares her own trauma, her history of trauma with her. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that the poem um, that it that it uh, landed and made sense because I think there was a line in it. There's a line in it about my pitocin kicks in, and I thought. Is anyone going to know what I'm talking about? That I'm that I'm I'm writing about two things concurrently. I'm writing about labour, and also writing, uh, you know, writing about the past. Yeah, and um, so, you know, in your poems, you kind of play with voice and who is the I, like who is the speaker. To what extent, I would say, like, is your poetry autobiographical or your speaking from the voice of someone else? It's a really interesting question for all poets to answer, isn't it? Yeah. I think, yes, of course, there's autobiography in my poems. I'm very keen to say the speaker all the time. And I feel that Emily Dickinson, you know, tell the truth, but tell it slant. But um, there's there's a world of characters and a world of different me's mm. uh, in these poems. So, yes, I've lived. Sometimes I feel like I've lived many different lives in different parts of the world. Uh, so that feeds in my experience. My lived experience is obviously writ large across many of these poems. But the characters um, that the speaker engages with, many of them are fictional. You know, I write from the perspective of um, Dora, Freud's patient. And I imagine, especially in my newest collection, I'm imagining the voice of women artists. That's They're not my experiences. Um, but there are experiences that I feel connected to, whether it's experiences of loss or trauma or childbirth, um, you know, the things that I relate to. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds to me like you get a lot of inspiration from from um, reading people's accounts, from reading history, from... Uh, would that be fair to say? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I... Um, I like to do my research too. So, mm, I do, you know, yeah. certainly for the for the Blitz poems um, and the the you know the poems set during the Second World War, that involves lots of you know reading of poetry that um, appeals to me from the period. I you know one poem is literally after Stephen Spender, uh, who's one of my favourite poets. Um, and yes, talking to my family for sure, mm. listening to to the language deployed by elderly relatives. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting because. It's interesting because we don't really think of doing research for poetry, but it, it can be essential. You know, there's always Absolutely. kind of like an emotional and there's a, like you say, family historical research that you can be doing as well. 
Well, you want to get it right, too, especially if you have a father who was a historian, because I was thinking as I wrote the poem Fireweed, you know, that the, I knew sort of in some part of my mind that there was a, a weed that grew or bomb weed, it was called in London, that grew during the Blitz, this kind of purple, purple weed. But I thought, well, I have to get this right. I have to actually check that this really did happen. And so, sure, I, I did a fair bit of research into fireweed and how it grew. Yeah. So so what, did... what happened? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, after I mean during the during the Blitz in London and um, certainly in other cities that were bombed by the Nazis, uh, this particular weed that is known as fireweed it grows in some parts of the United States too, but it was very specific to um, bombed-out buildings in London uh, and often called you know my my granny I think called it bombweed, but it grew in the rubble, and so you'd have what for me as a writer is this really incredibly evocative scene of. Um, bombed out buildings in the East End with these purple flowers beginning to grow up out of them. And that really spoke to me of resilience and I and I wanted to capture that. But at the same time, I knew, you know, I had an image of it in my mind and then I spent all this time Googling fireweed to make sure it was right and, <laughs> and to read about historical accounts of it growing. But there's a beauty in that and a resilience that really resonates for me. Mm. That, that reminds me of um, during the pandemic, you know, when we were kind of, we were sequestered but you know it's just the seasons continued right yes, like nature yes. continued it, it didn't yes. it wasn't affected by the pandemic in the same way humans were mm, right exactly mm. the endurance of nature it continues on doesn't it yeah yeah so in your in your research process is that is it that you have an idea for a poem and then you want to research the details or did you read some history books to know more about the period and then some poems poems emerged from that i think poems emerge in all different ways don't they i mean some of the poems in these collections just literally came forth in a rush of memory um and i didn't feel like i had to go away and read any additional text or you know perhaps i researched some small details i wanted to make sure that i had uh you know i was remembering the place correctly but um yeah some of them just arrived as the as poetry often does you wake up in the morning and you have a line and you think this is it uh and then some poems take a, a very long time and i would go back and certainly the poems with um you know set during the blitz and my poem alexander platz it took a long time for me to get right i wanted to make sure that the places i referenced were there um the way i remembered them and and uh you know so i i, I definitely did some digging mm. Do you want to if we could read a poem? Yeah, Sorry, Lee, so we're in the, we good, the same yeah, we're in the good same place then. <laughs> Would you like to read us a poem? Sure, I'd be more than happy to. Do you want me to start with anything in particular, or are you happy for me to just jump in? Could I re- request Alexander Platz actually, since oh, they yeah. were kind of talking around that? Yeah, you're going to have to let me pull it up. Hey, yeah, uh, I hope you're enjoying listening to this episode. This episode is sponsored by Write Bloody UK. They're an independent publisher that publishes bloody beautiful poetry books. You get 10% off all books on their website, writebloodyuk.co.uk, with the code POETRY2YEARS. That's 10% off with the code POETRY2YEARS on the website, writebloodyuk.co.uk. Hope you enjoy it! Alexander Platz Three sheets to a brittle wind, I'm unhinged in East Berlin. Burnt chalk taste of trams and your mouth doesn't stop until Sasha shows us the Jewish cemetery where the roundup started. Thousands dead and broken glass from nights German kids drank to forget their history. This is how the end begins, you say, as I stumble through the tour, peel off to buy cigarettes and green nail polish from the thrift store near Café Oren, where waiters circle the periphery arranging ghosts inside napkins. You claim centre stage, take us hostage with your history lesson. As I brace for impact on the bathroom floor, my past descends like Luftwaffe. I wish I'd never asked you to unbuckle your belt, peel off my dress on the concrete steps, the river bloated with murdered revolutionaries. Remember the detour? How I hid stones in my pockets after you zipped up your pants in case I needed to drown myself. Now you give the orders, tell me what to read, which side to take in the struggle, 
while Sasha teaches us to curse in German. Some mornings I pretend to sleep through the dawn raid, all fury and lockstep. I want to lay stones on your grave, but I line them up on the sink, my pebble army watching over me as I stick two fingers down my throat again. This is how the end begins, wanting to be remembered and forgotten among tombstones, forging my own name with all that is broken. It's mm, beautiful. Arranging ghosts inside napkins, that's... It shows, you know, the... Really the 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 weight of history that is in Berlin, everywhere in every building. There's there's so there's so much in there. It's, <laughs> it's like four different poems at the same I time. I know. I I I think that at some point I'll end up, you know, extracting the different strands of these four different poems that are there and Inside. writing four different. Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting idea. This, this right. P- potentially being the genus of a. Four mm. narratives or something. Um, who? So, Sasha. You mentioned Sasha in it. Can you say a little bit more about who Sasha is? <laughs> uh, well, Sasha was actually yes, was a real person. So this is you know all combinations of lots of people. But Sasha was a kid that I knew in Berlin. Um, he was a punk, and he uh, was great. And he used to teach us how to swear. So all of that's <laughs> true. All my all my rubbish German swear words come from Sasha. I don't know. Yeah, how Sasha much is. German do you this know? Poem. <laughs> Uh, I'm Bissian. I'm Kleines Bissian. <laughs> uh, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Sasha will read the poem one day. Mm. I think, huh, I made it into Rebecca's poetry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He I loved don't... the Clash. We used to, we used to, he used to ask me to explain um, Rolling Stones and Clash lyrics to him and, and, you know, then teach me how to swear in German. Sounds like and a nice exchange. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, there was a great some great German music in the eighties actually like uh, some oh yeah on there in Berlin absolutely yeah. so yeah I was there for the kind of explosion of the techno scene so that was mm. was pretty wow. amazing yeah it was a historical moment <laughs> in and of itself yeah exactly yeah. and you, you... Berlin feels like this poem though there's so much to say about it and I think I got you know I got so excited writing this because like I do so many layers there's so many things that I want to talk about with this poem. Yeah, given given that given that kind of ambition for how much you want to express, really, it's it's quite short. It's it's. I mean, did you feel like, did you feel kind of satisfied after you'd finished it that you'd kind of included all the themes that you'd wanted to? You know, it's 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 not a particularly short poem, but it's short potentially for for what your vision was for it. Yes, I think it probably could have continued. Although I'm, I'm a real. Um, I don't write po- poems that are that long. My poetry tends to be after a page. I start to kind of think, oh, I'm done now. Mm. Has to be finished after a page. Mm. And I, I, I admire poets who can go on for far longer. Um, I think I worry a little bit about losing the reader. But with a poem like this, yes, it. it I felt like I had to contain it somehow. It was big. And it was, you know, potentially going to explode all over the place. But it's so also very to, humble to contain it. In the same mm, way that you. you know, I feel like Germany can be really humble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a really history. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to make it. I mean, I think these are the things that you know. I was aware. I'm aware of what it means to drop these um, hugely loaded concepts into a poem, right? Like Kristallnacht. Mm. Um, and to think, you know, I, I was writing about a particular time just post unification, reunification. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I, I worried on some level that there's too many big themes in this, but essentially it's a personal poem, right? It's yeah, about no, grappling. It's, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's really interesting for the fact that it has these massive themes kind of jostling for position. Mm. <laughs> it's they're all kind of interweaving and yeah. you know and it's in in that way it's kind of symbolic of what berlin is right it is yeah. it is a place that is kind of it's haunted by its history but it also has embraced its history and and it's also a place that's vibrant and is creating its own future Absolutely. as well so yeah. it's i mean you that this is where the poem's great you've really encapsulated all those <laughs> the, berlin itself 
But thank you. How? Why? Did, why did you call it Alexander Platz? Because that was uh, the part of East Berlin that I was living relatively close to, and it loomed large. I mean, literally, the TV tower looms large, Alexander Platz. Mm. Um, I was looking for. I knew I had to name titles of poems are thorny, right? You know, I, I initially it was it was literally the street name that I lived on, and that's not. It doesn't resonate as much. So I was looking for a landmark. I was looking for an East Berlin landmark mm. that I'd spent time in. Yeah, what stuck with me is this word, you know, drown myself, because you have other poems about people drowning uh, in there. And so you have uh, your, like, a brother who drowns, and you have yourself who drowns and then survives. Um, how do you link all these themes together is it intentional yes i'm really interested in um water and in losing yourself in water i wanted to with alexander platz i also talk about um the river being bloated with murdered revolutionaries and that was important to me too because i spent a lot of time at the river the spray in berlin uh, thinking about rosa luxemburg um murdered and pushed into the river yeah i i you know Obviously, my my collection is um, riddled with with death, and the death comes in many forms. And I think um, the water is one of them. So it's it's very resonant for me, mm. for sure. Yeah, can I just and just like my last question about this poem? Um, it feels like the poem is almost saying that you can't live there, or there's something about the place that you you struggle to find peace there. Is is yeah. that maybe that's just my reading? No, I think that's correct. I think that's a really good reading of it. I, I did feel I've been back a few times. I lived there for um, for quite a stretch during the time that the speaker, you know, the, the poem is set. And I struggled with um, I struggled with leaving, but I struggled with the idea of staying, too. It felt like a really complicated place, for, especially for me at that time um, in late adolescence, early adulthood. It didn't feel like a stable place. So that instability, I think, is, um, you know, political instability, personal instability, that's very much intentional in the poem. Mm. Yeah, and, the you know, the way I see kind of the structure of the book is that, so, you know, you're laying out your life and, and people of the past, and then from the title poem, I feel like the way, the way I saw it is that it's kind of like alternative futures, or the way you took the past to write a different ending from there on is that is that correct or yes yeah yes i think so yeah i just you know i'm i'm glad you i'm glad you sensed that and the title itself permit me to write my own ending is sort of speaks to all of that doesn't it i i i want the speaker of these poems to be able to write their own ending um some of those endings are quite brutal you know they come um whether it's the speaker's uh, friends or family, uh, death, their deaths, um, or their own struggles with belonging. I think that's very much part of it, this idea of choosing, having choice mm. in where things end. And and that's, as as a poet, I wanted that choice with the chronology. We've talked about this already, but the chronology and the way I ended the book too. Yeah, I wanted to end, I wanted to bring childhood back at the end and then end with a very adult, poem so the last, last poem time. is very dramatic yes so you're you're killing someone i have not murdered my husband and buried him in the garden just so that you know <laughs> some people said to me well you know this is when it's funny when, when when you have these conversations and you have to remind people that it's a poem yeah it's like yeah, yeah. this is uh... you're familiar with that yeah <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. Uh, everybody's always like are you okay like is everything all right <laughs> yes yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> although i don't do many kind of alternative realities in my poems they're kind of revisiting past emotions um so it's a kind of different are you okay it's not really have you murdered someone are you okay it's like are you gonna kill right. yourself are you okay <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's, right. <laughs> this poem was very cathartic to write and i think there's you know my book is and a lot has been written about this already, and I think some of the reviews have picked this up. But there's a there's an anger at 
the patriarchal culture. There's there's anger at experiences that happened to the speaker during childhood mm. and adolescence. And I think it was really important for me to end the collection with a much what I consider to be a mature poem about domestic violence and the the speaker wanting very much to have an ending that worked for them, mm. right? That they felt, um, you know, it's it's a powerful, uh, certainly a dramatic poem, but it was important for me to end that way. Yeah. Can we hear that? Poem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you don't mind. Another one that's no, not planned, but that's... Yeah. That's fine. No, no, no. I'm, I'm happy to... I just always I should... imagine the, the audience. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like... <laughs> well, they have to buy the book yeah. to get to get the end. Yes, they're going to have to buy the book to 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 read the last poem in the book. And I should say when... that this this poem, Last Rites, was um, was shortlisted for the uh, Red Wheelbarrow Prize in the US. So it's oh, really? it when, some... when is the book out? The book comes out on March the twenty eighth. Two weeks today. Very Great. exciting in the US and the UK, so everybody can get copies. Oh. Okay, so I will read Last Rites now. Last Rites. Finally, I figure out how best to kill him. Dead weight on the kitchen floor, the night loaded. When it's done, I'll dig a man-sized plot in the groin of the garden, wedged between the broken fence and eager clematis. I'll work the soil hard, deep enough for ten men. Throw in my chipped teeth and pulled hair, black nightshade, a blue jay feather for luck. Scrawled notes and stale prayers, the cold sh shoulder from next door. I'll sprinkle his eyelids with shards from beer bottles hurled with the force of a gale meeting my jaw, consequences that bruise and swell. Spare keys from nights I locked him out, children in bed, itchy blankets smother their hot breath while I heap earth on his body to keep him dead. I prefer the slap of moonlit bracken, heft of a rusty shovel, my hands bloodied. He deserves the worms, not the north-facing sun or horse chestnut shade. I'll wash him off me and plant perennials, something bright that will flourish among weeds, next door's curtains threadbare from twitching. If they ask, I'll say it was the old tabby, the children's favourite. In spring, when the blossoms dance wildly, I'll scrub my fingernails clean, and invite the neighbours for tea. The end is so humble. <laughs> <laughs> invite the neighbours for tea. <laughs> well, That's you silly. know. If you're covering up a plot in the garden, I suppose, and you want to invite those neighbours who've been twitching their curtains around, you'd have to make them tea. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting to me, you know, you kind of prefaced talking about this poem with some humor right in terms of like oh yeah like i haven't murdered my husband in real life <laughs> so it's, it's interesting to me um, um you know when, when you read these poems when you read this collection everything you know everything is very severe everything is very serious it's a tendency in my reading to treat every poem sincerely mm. um so i suppose i suppose the the reason I say we're probably not going to use this in the in the recording is just for my edification. It's just interesting to know. Um, why um, do does it feel like uncomfortable for you to kind of just talk about the poem too seriously because almost it might be too close to the bone, you know, too severe, etc. This particular poem, Last Rites. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I also feel like I just want to hold some space for um, the experience of domestic violence without necessarily talking about my own personal experience uh, or any, you know, family experience. I think that the, the as I've said before, the catharsis of this poem comes in a, in a retribution or an ending that, that is imagined. Right. And so some of the imagery in the poem, the children in bed, the nights I locked him out, you know, there's a reality to a lot of that. And then, of course, there's the fantastical element. I like yeah. I, I like ending with the idea that maybe the speaker killed him and also the tabby that, that maybe she she just really uh, 
lost it and killed everybody. Um, <laughs> and I was reading a lot of Shirley Jackson too, when I, he's one of my favorite American Gothic short story writers. So I wanted those details, the blue jay feather and all these other things. But yeah, you know, alcohol abuse and domestic violence, I wanted to, but it's important for me to write about these things without having to explicate it too much myself as a, as a writer. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, to me, it kind of shows like almost humor in your writing. Um, yeah, which is playing with... And it's interesting that, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's interesting, Tom, that you talked about the serious nature of, of reading this, the kind of... And, and in a way, um, yes, the poems are obviously serious and they deal with serious themes. And there are some poems that are not... There's not laughter in it. But there are poems, and I think Last Rites is one of them, and there are other ones you know, next of kin is another where, um, where there is humor, it's dark, it's gallows, but it's there. And that's important because that's very much, you know, what I'm interested in as a reader. And also I think how I write, there is humor. You just have to dig around and find it. Poetry Two Rears is a podcast sponsored by Fawn Press, an indie press that publishes poetry that takes you by the hand and leads you into the woods. You can get 10% off all books on their website www.formpress.co.uk with the code POETRY10 as small letters POETRY10 You will find the code and the link in the description below Thanks for supporting small businesses Back to the episode Next of kin Our granddad fought the Germans but I battled through lunches my bloodline gathered in the kitchen Uncles with five o'clock shadows mistake me for schoolgirls they lured with pocket money and promises. I pull myself together in their pipe smoke, arrange tins of beans in jaunty pyramids, kick shins of cousins beneath the table, their tree bark cheeks ruddy, passing the sauce as past lives lurch across history's headland, victories chipper and hard won. I want to start fires in the bathroom, wear the alley like a cat in heat. Upend the garbage, take off my clothes, swear like a trooper, slice my thumb with a carving knife, mop the blood with my bread. But I please and thank you my way through dessert. Impossible, the things we don't say to one another, stewing like spoiled fruit and cream. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it kind of sets the tone for what you want to do after, which is explode. right exactly you've got so much anger just stored in that you contain in in politeness right it's like there's Um, there's really uh like really strong images like start fires in the bathroom etc slice my thumb with a carving knife and then it's like but i please and thank you my way through dessert i really like that contrast I think everyone can relate to these family meals, right? Mm. Everyone has memories of meals like this where we sat on our hands or didn't speak or so much was going on or swirling around the table that we didn't understand. Mm. Yeah. And then all the things that we do understand when we're, you know, kids, teenagers, we do know what's going on. We just don't know how to talk about it. So I felt like that was really important. All the all the desire, the pent up desire of the speaker, compared to what she was actually doing, which was please and thank you. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of speaks to we find it difficult to be vulnerable with each other as well. As well, right? Mm. Like, yeah, we get into a situation where everybody is very defensive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The the tension is palpable in in the poem. <laughs> Yeah, I mean you can, that. You can it's, really feel it. It's, <laughs> it's quite impressive, uh, you know what you what you say in the words as well as the space in between the words, like what you don't say, which shows yeah. kind of the perspective of the situation as well. Um, yeah, and I think that's something that you know that's why people will have to buy the book so they can see how the poem looks on the page. But I really mm. deploy white space instead of punctuation here and there's gaps Mm. and I'm really interested in those gaps the gaps without punctuation 
Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of poems that are all like that. That have, I know, they kind Maybe of interesting <laughs> in German. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I, I really, um, and and that's what's interesting about that is those are the later poems that I wrote. I think I was much more. I was writing in a much more conventional form for a long time, and then this really kicked in, and I found I, it enabled me to sort of find my footing. Mm. This use of enjambment and white space, and I I do it a lot now. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's some poems where you put songs as well, little lines of lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, music's yeah, like really important. Like Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones, yep, yep. And mm. even in annotated bibliography, there's references to the Smiths. Yeah. yeah, I actually have a playlist that I made for the book. Did you? Um, yeah, it's on my Instagram. Uh, and I made it public. Partly it was songs that I was listening to. Right. Oh, that's amazing. That I wrote it and songs that remind me of all these various points in my life. Yeah, we're going to sh- yeah. we share that's it. That's a novel idea. That's yes. A, that's a novel idea. Multi, Put on like a playlist in the background while you're reading Multi-sensory. Your right. Um, yeah, arts. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, music's really important to me. And so, you know, the, there's obviously a lot of poems where I directly reference music that I was listening to. But then there's all the music that reminded me and that helped me to, to write the book. Hmm. yeah what do you listen to now what, what's your oh what's on my what's on what's what am i shuffling at the moment um what's on your pod what's on your uh, what's a, ipod, oh, what's on my iPod. <laughs> um yeah heloise doesn't know what it is i know what I know, iPod right? is. The, older, the older folks out there can talk about what's on their ipod i was the um, last generation to have an ipod i think <laughs> Um, I'm listening to right now. I've been listening to Young Fathers a lot. I love Young Fathers. Um, oh, wow, yeah, I saw yeah. them in uh, Holland. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. I think they're coming to the states. Like Hip hop. Yeah, and Billy No Mates. I'm really into Billy No Mates too. Um, and then I've just been listening to a lot of stuff that I always listen to, like Elvis Costello and. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it's, um, older stuff too. Yeah, got lots of different things on my. Um, and the playlist certainly permit me to write my own ending is very sprawling because I've got a very diverse taste in music. Um, but yeah. Yeah, can't wait to listen. But it's to fun it. to put together to think about um, all the things I listened to as I wrote it. So so, the, so it sounds to me like that really does inspire your poetry as well. I mean, is oh, there, for sure. Is there a case that you listen to a song and it kind of puts you in a certain emotional space? Yes, definitely. I listened to Let It Bleed, the Stones album, on repeat when I was trying to write some of these poems. Like I oh, literally, wow. it just kind of took me, and that and music is, I think it's one of the only art forms that that can do that, right? That you really are transported back in time. That you can you can remember what it was like to be fifteen when a certain mm. the first few chords of a song come on. So yeah, absolutely, mm. and it and it gets those creative juices. Um, sometimes it's so emotional i just had to s- just stop writing and go for a walk oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. So, listening uh, to the cure i was like oh my god i have to just go for a walk now. you know these lyrics that you put in the poems how would you read them would you just tell them out would you try to sing them a little bit or? oh i wouldn't try and sing them i've got a terrible singing voice <laughs> no no i think in annotated bibliography i thought about that a lot because i use i reference morrissey and then i also use a smith lyric and in my head, I imagine singing the Smith lyric, but that wouldn't go down well. It would be really have bad. Have you tried it? Or? Really? Um, I have not <laughs> tried it. I've tried it personally, reading it out loud to myself and thought, mm, I'm never going to do that at poetry reading. That will be bad. Yeah, that leads on to my question. So you perform live then? Okay. Um, I have done, yeah, and I will be doing more. So I've got a bunch of tour dates coming up for the book oh, cool. in um yeah i've got tour dates in the states i kick off my book tour in new york at the end of the month and then i'm on the road i'm going to the west coast and then i'm doing a london launch on the 8th of july actually which will be great and i'll be reading in leeds as well oh amazing in the summer. So, yeah. check, check that out, out. It's, is it yeah, on your website definitely. Yeah, and, uh... it, all the dates will be on my website yeah which is rebeccafaulknerpoet.com um so you can check out the dates there and i'll be reading with other right bloody poets in London on the 8th of July. Yeah. Oh, well, we should go, definitely go to that. Definitely come. Yeah. 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 We're, we've, uh, Ollie's in London as well. Ollie or Neil. Yeah, that's right. So I think there's going to be a few of us who oh, will be there for that, which is exciting. I won't sing yeah. any Smith's lyrics, I promise. <laughs> Not as well. <laughs> 
Do you want to read an annotated bi bibliography? And this is another one where I, I hope people buy the book so they can see how the poem is actually arranged on the page. Because it is arranged like a bibliography. Annotated bibliography. One. Sitting nocturnal close with our rope of brown hair. People mistake us for sisters. Foolishly, I believe we are something more, brimming and requited, hurling ourselves at the weather. Let me guard the limestone wall I build around you. Let me huddle in the romance of rickety plush stairs and no central heat, our flat damp with pencils, an anarchy of chimney pots and great expectations. To die by your side, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. After class, we pull up the drawbridge, coffee gone cold, styrofoam soft and wet against my teeth. Two. Outside, the June air is fragrant with piss and jasmine, but I draw lukewarm baths against the Yorkshire din, watch her run long fingers across crumbling spines of paperbacks, find the page, the quote, her body is the word. In the tub, she reads aloud in a voice she calls Chaucerian, bawdy and bonkers. You sound like Morrissey, I say, and she laughs and bangs her knee on the tap, which hurts because she's so good at accents and taking up space. Later, I cook and overdo it. Too much sauce and music and looking. Three. She has a way of making me feel I don't live here. I am uninvited. We have separate beds, but share my bed and I never make a fuss. When rain floods the entryway, Soaking the carpet, climbing the walls, I let it seep through my socks into her room, hold it cautiously between my toes, so cold like a moat. It curls the pages of Beowulf, even though it's probably worth saving, but I don't. I stand in the damage that I can't undo, and she tells me to leave. Four. The flood, she says, and the kitchen mess, and my mates are a mess, but mostly me, I am. And she ties up her hair and goes out for a fast bike ride, swerving hairpin turns. I sit down, my jeans soft and wet against my thighs. My fingers drip onto floorboards and I think, your body is not a word, your body is not the only word. And I rearrange the books on her shelf and pitch forward slowly through the open window. really like the story yeah that's a good college kind of university poem i think oh is that the reason behind the bibliography because you write so many essays so, you yeah know. you know i did english at university so i felt like i had to i had to write a poem that was a in the shape of a bibliography yeah. <laughs> the yeah the details are in the in the notes of the bibliography that no one reads at the end of the essay. <laughs> That's, That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, your body is not a word. Your body is not the only word. What? What's the quote of? Is it a, li a lyric? Or... That's mine. That's no. That's oh, just that's me. Yours. That's okay. just, yeah, I'm just, <laughs> just throwing that in the there too. Well. <laughs> yeah. Just because it, it's. Um... I should have said it wasn't. I should have said it was Chaucer. <laughs> no, it's me. It's exactly no, it's me. It's me. Yeah, not just because it's like in in it italic. How do you call it's it? It's in italics italic, as well. Yeah. Yes, yes, mm. yeah. Lulu, you're great at giving inadvertent uh, compliments. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you really. It's a, it's a talent. <laughs> yeah. I don't try so hard. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, can I ask about the, what maybe you found the difference between um, uh, performing for American audiences compared to European audiences or English audiences? That's really interesting. Yeah, I've thought a lot about this, especially as I or kick maybe, off. Or maybe people's response to your poems. And, you know, and is there a difference? You know, am I just making, am I just making a story up there? It's really interesting, actually. I've thought a lot about this because I think there is a difference at poetry readings in... I mean, I'm, I'm based in the US and I do most of my readings here. So it's going to always be slightly skewed to audience response 
here. Um, and I've done far fewer in the UK um, and they've been great, but I definitely think there's a, um, there's a collective uh, um, um, energy in the room in some US venues where I feel like everyone's kind of there for you. There's a very, I'm gonna sound really terribly critical of American audiences and I don't mean to. It's almost as if it doesn't entirely matter what you're saying, they want to give you praise. That's lovely and beautiful, but sometimes I wonder if they've actually heard the poem. Um, there's, a, there's a support and a level of support that's really beautiful. And I think I read last summer in Leeds and it was wonderful. It was part of my friend's book launch. And there was a slightly more, um, I'm not gonna say muted, but just a, the response while I was reading was different. And then afterwards people had lots of questions. That just speaks to cultural difference in a way, I think. And I'm used to, I've had a whole lifetime of navigating um, that. But I think that, you know, I wonder that so many of my poems have, they're quite English, I think. Um, and they use references that are quite English. And so I sometimes think, oh, I, I won't read that one in the States because I don't know if people will understand it. But that's silly because they're universal themes, aren't they? So even if the reference, the specific reference isn't mm. directly understood, they can still understand. Yeah, and a lot of people enjoy digging into references, right? They yes. enjoy, especially right. with the publication now, you know, um, yeah. they can kind of study it and Google it. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 you know. and try and figure out where things took place or what what the what the writer's talking about exactly. That's um, it, it kind of makes me think of what we were saying about poetry audiences in general, mm. um, which is you 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 get different dynamics of response to poems um, sure. compared to I mean as much as I it depends love on the space as well comedy. Oh right, the, what the context like the the venue? Yeah, yeah, it depends on like the, venue. the hosts yeah. and everything. I feel like yeah, yeah, there's a white zone. But um, you, were gonna, you know, yeah, yeah. As much as I love and adore comedy, you know, it's like there's, you know, really there's just different var uh, variations of laughing or not, right? right. Whereas in poetry, there's there's all these kind of strange, very human responses to. Yes. Uh, there's a very large spectrum of responses mm. to. Uh, individual poems and individual sure. poets yes and you know there'd be many responses right when we were at verb festival to poems that were sometimes there'd be like a groan mm. right? <laughs> right. as a response to a poem or some gasps right. and, <laughs> yeah gasps yeah. yes and, exactly intakes of breath after a line mm. when you think oh my god the line has really landed because everyone's gone <gasps> yeah yeah or, the, right. or there's the kind of empathy sound right yes like, yes mm, 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 you know this kind of yeah and and sometimes there'd be laughter right you know in different yes so it's, it's interesting it really yeah. is and I'm not a spoken word poet and I don't write funny per se funny poems and so I definitely think mm. you know there's something interesting that happens between each poem so if you get up to read three or five poems and they're quite heavy hitting and not that cheerful and then there's that very cautious moment of some applause <laughs> and you want to say yeah yeah you know you can clap between the poem it's all right you can. I know I might have just punched you in the face with my words, but you can. You can applaud. That's good. Yeah. But yeah, I think we, it's hard a, to know. There was a poet who I won't. I won't name them. But at the festival, the audience started clapping after they finished their first poem, and then they were said, "No, no, wait until the end. <laughs> clap right just at the end." Right, clap at the end. I think some yeah. poets maybe feel that that they just need that silence, but that seems very yeah. for me anyway. That's quite heavy. Mm. you're going to read and then there's just this whew, silence mm. like an orchestra <laughs> right unless you try and fill it with a gag yourself in in between yeah do you enjoy uh reading your poems i do yeah i mean i think that if you're not nervous a bit then i think it's important to be a bit nervous when you read your poems especially if you're reading them to a new audience for the first time because it's it's a big it's a big thing to do right you want you want it to land you want there's so much bound up in expressing yourself in this way and and some of it I feel very strongly I wish this is why the, having the book in the world is going to be so wonderful you want people to be able to see it too I think it's I don't know especially for me I feel like that it's it's sculptural it exists on the page obviously it needs to be heard but um some of these poems I want to be able to say and now go and look at it Okay, please, because then you'll have the full effect of it. Mm. But yeah, I do. I enjoy I enjoy reading my poems. 
I think it's important to hear it and hear it in in the poet's voice, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so because you say you get more of the some of the meaning through seeing it and reading it, but mm. also you you stress the importance of hearing in the poet's voice. What would be the ideal combo then? <laughs> that every person in the audience would have bought a copy of my book and that they would and sit that... there and I'd say, now you can turn to page 41. As a little book club. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, how we, right? that's, that's how we do it. That's the dream. And then you can all look yeah. at my poem while you listen to me read it in my voice. Yeah, that would be, yeah. the, that would be the dream. Like church. Yeah, so... Yes, it's like church. Take it seriously. <laughs> so you can buy the book and then listen to the podcast and that, that have the effect then. Exactly. Yeah. And then I have this dream that maybe one day there'll be an audio version of the book oh you know, would you like that, to do that? that you can hear that i'd love to do that yeah i'd love to do that i think it would be really good to, you, to get the tone of it right yeah would you read your yeah you'd read your own i'd like to read my poems you know someone who will mm. remain unnameless said to me recently in terms of um, making reels for instagram and and you know how i don't do the huge amount of that but that you know you've got to hook people within the first 15 seconds and i do think yeah, but it's a poem, so there's not always the right hook. And I'm not, you know, wearing exercise clothes and squeezing a lemon at the same time. But she'd said to me, oh, I could read it for you and show you how it's done for real. And I thought, no, <laughs> no, you can't read my poem for me. It's my poem. Yeah, but I think and even if, also yeah, the, like, the poets on Instagram, you know, people who follow you, they would listen. Exactly. And that's, you know, I'm not trying to reach some, I mean, obviously, I want people to hear the words and buy the book, clearly, but I'm not trying to be an influencer. Yeah, so the, you know, 15 seconds hook or three seconds hook, that's if, if you're yeah. really trying to grow your numbers and reach out to so many people out there, but it's, it's just a, a platform to share. Um, exactly. You know, there's no exactly. one way of doing it. And uh, right you know, people... and I see the value of it and yeah yeah there's so many writers who who put blocks of writing and people read it <laughs> and you wouldn't think from an Instagram uh, perspective that people would actually read it right it's it sometimes you know it's limiting in the way that you feel that you could only share a short poem mm. it has to be short either the text on the page has to be short or you have to speak it and it has to be brief otherwise people will scroll past it and yeah. you know when you think about it like that I think well a lot of the poets who I would hope would stick around and listen to me read the whole thing they're not going to just swipe yeah or keep scrolling there's definitely a limitation that videos can only be 90 seconds but right right I think sometimes you need a you need a distance so it's like you you know you can be the artist you can be the poet and you can be the purist right mm. where you want the whole of your poem you want the whole you want it done right correctly and then I think sometimes there's part of you that wants someone else to come along and kind of take the crude decisions of, you know, chopping it, taking right. the, the highlights, taking the right. bits that you necessarily yeah, I mean, wouldn't pick yourself. It's it, absolutely it, you know, artist separation. It's the difficult of that. It's a difficult yes. roles yeah. of uh, you know, being an artist between writing the poetry, editing it and then marketing it. And they're very different For sure. roles and they're not and I've... that's always what's so interesting when you have a publisher, because then you realise that these are the poems that they want to highlight, that, you know, whether it's for social media, that they that they feel are the best to highlight. And so, of course, it's a learning process and you, you need to step back and release the reins of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How was your experience of being published by Right Bloody UK? So far, it's been great. Yeah, it's been really, they've been so wonderful and just really listened, especially the cover of the book. Um I was really, really uh, emphatic that I wanted to use a certain image for my book cover. Mm -hmm. And they were very, very um, just incredibly supportive and went away and produced this wonderful design. So I, I felt really listened to. Yeah, it's that. a beautiful cover. Do, do we have the design? We have the design. There. I can send you the, I think you've probably seen it on. Yeah, I have it. On social media, but I can send you a, a copy of, of it too. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Could you give us an ekphrastic uh, poem of what the oh, cover is? 
I can give you a, like a description, but whether or not I can yeah. spontaneously do an acrostic. <laughs> yeah. Although do I think in, in some ways, many of the poems in the book relate directly to the cover image. So the cover image is um, taken by a friend of mine who's a photographer in Brooklyn named Laura Fontaine. She's Italian, but she lives in New York. And it's of her daughter half submerged under, well, submerged underwater on holiday swimming. Um, and it's an amazing, remarkable image. She's sitting quite peacefully in the way I read the image um, under the water. And she could be drowning, she could be um, floating. And I think it's beautiful. It's a really amazing color of green. And I love what's exposed by taking a picture underwater versus what, you know, what's hidden. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of me when I was a teenager. She looks a bit like me. And so uh, as soon as I saw it, I thought, that's it. There's so many water mm. poems and so many poems about about drowning in my book. And I knew I wanted something that was had that captured that um, ambiguity, mm. which her that's image perfect. does. That, yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's... Um... Permit me to write my own ending by Rebecca Faulkner. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for thank listening. Thank you so much yeah, for joining you us. F- yeah. yeah, it was amazing. It's been a pleasure to talk to you as well. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Lulu. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see you in uh, the UK sometime. Definitely. Come come see me on July the 8th. Yeah. yeah. Great, to, great to meet you both. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Poetry to Your Ears. This podcast is published as a newsletter on Substack. All of our content is published for free, but if you would like to support our work, you can become a paid subscriber. This will help us support transcripts for the deaf and hard of hearing community and anyone who would benefit from reading the podcast alongside hearing it. You can also support us for free by rating the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or writing a review on Apple Podcasts. Share the show with your friends, fellow poets and poetry lovers. If you want to interact with us, you can follow us on at poetry to your ears on Instagram and at poetry to number two your ears on Twitter. Or you can also write a comment on Substack. If you're American and you're listening to us, send us a message. Half of our listeners are American. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.